What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dragzine Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Editor Brian Wagner, and this week on the show, we have the latest No Prep Kings series winner, Jim Howe. Jim, what's going on? What's going on, Brian? How are you, sir? I, I'm not going to lie, a little tired. I ran the uh, NMCA finals this past weekend. I uh, not only raced my car, I also did some event coverage and asset gathering, and it's a uh, that's a little rough to do. Let me tell you, there's a, you know, in the past when I go to events that to actually race and crew, it doesn't seem this busy, but when you, you know, you're, you're doing the whole race and and media thing, uh, it takes up all your time. Yeah. And that's a big, like, uh, while we're on that subject and, uh, something that, uh, a lot of people overlook and, you know, I, I follow, I follow your social media quite a bit. I followed your build, um, followed you getting your license uh your first nine second pass all the stuff that you went through and it's been it's been really cool but a, a another side of that is and it's something that a lot of folks don't realize is the amount of work that the media folks put in at these events um you know i've seen some i've seen some you know maybe not so nice comments that were made uh in the last week or so to some photographers you know, for not getting their photos out fast enough or whatever. But, you know, people don't realize the amount of work um, that you guys do. Um, and that's that's just the, you know, the, the imaging part of it, not counting the editing part. And then uh, obviously in your situation, the write-up part. So, you know, my hat's off to all you guys. I, I know what we do is a tough deal, but I think a lot of times we lose track and we think we are the only ones at the racetrack working. And that's, it, uh, we, we wouldn't have this sport we love called drag racing and it wouldn't be at the level it's at right now if it weren't for all of us. And I think a lot of people need to understand that. I appreciate the understanding there. And, uh, I always tell people, if you're going to do the drag racing media thing, right, you have to understand it's going to be a sleep deprivation experiment at big events. Like if you really want to get everything and get all the cool stuff, you got to be one of the last people to leave to help turn the lights off. And you got to be there when they turn the lights on, they start dragging the track at six 30 in the morning. If you want to be able to get everything it's, it can be a challenge, but again, you're, you're able to uh, get some really cool uh, content. If you, uh, if you try to pull that off. Yeah. I mean, the, the good thing about a drag race that, uh, you know, our fans get to experience is all of that stuff. They get to take every bit of that in. Uh, they get to walk around the pits um, you know, without being told that they can't look in this pit area or they can't go in the pits or whatever. And, and, you know, you guys being able to capture it all on film, you know, I know over the years, um, we've had some real ball buster nights, uh, you know, thrashing motors and, and doing all the stuff that, uh, that it takes in order to get ready for the next round uh, or the next day. And, um, those memories are, are, forever etched in stone in our minds but you guys are always around to catch those photos and then the next day you're out there taking pictures of the cars again so like i think a lot of people lose track of that and and you know from from my standpoint uh i certainly appreciate all of you and um you know I, the pictures is the only way i live through the weekend because i have folks who'll say hey did you see so-and-so nope didn't see him you know we're we're back in the pits doing our stuff um, I, I very seldom get to watch any racing. Um, so looking at the photos online, you know, it's, uh, it's the next best thing for me. And I, my heart goes out to all you media folks because it's a tough gig. Let's talk about that for a second. You know, the, 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 what goes on during the weekend and you know, the fans get to see almost all of it, but I think sometimes they don't understand that, you know, on a good weekend you know especially on cars i guess you should should preface this with the faster the car the more work that's got to go into it and that you know between rounds when you are really working hard you don't have time to do everything but maybe eat a hot dog and a coke if you're lucky otherwise you're constantly working on that car to try to go faster you know it's not all lawn chairs and battery chargers no it's not i'll tell you something we're doing today right here in the shop um, so, you know, for the ones that don't know my background, you know, I started out bracket racing, um, 
and uh, at 18 years old, I started bracket racing professionally, and and we were you know traveling all over the country bracket racing. Um, I thought then we worked hard, and uh, then we worked you know then then I moved into uh, you know top sportsman and top dragster, and then I thought then that we worked hard, and then of course into small tire, and again you know holy shit this is a lot of work, um, and then into drag radio and you know at the at the top of the food chain and the drag radio stuff and then it's like oh my god we work you know this is this is tough work and then into what we're doing now and the uh you add in the mix that not only do we have to do all those things between rounds the extra work the tune-ups um you know reading the racetrack reading the air making sure the cars are right but we also have to interact with our fans um in addition to interacting with the fans, we also are filming a TV show and, um, it makes the day just, you know, you blink your eye and it's over, but it generally takes Amanda and I and the guys a full day after the races, after we're loaded up and everything, just to recoup from the weekend. And, uh, and I know you guys' job is the same way. The media guys, you know, you're up and at them and the same deal. You're still on your feet and you're still doing this stuff, but, we get torn in a million different directions. Um, and you know, David Monday who built, uh, both these new cars, um, David came with me to a race, uh, earlier in the year and, you know, he's raced pro mod and he's a, a very, very good pro mod racer and has a very, a very, uh, competitive pro mod team. And he said, I, he said, I don't see how you do it. He goes like, it's the, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. He says, you got to stop what you're doing. And, go do this for the camera and stop what you're doing and go do this for the camera. Stop what you're doing. Uh, go deal with the fans. He said, I, he said, I don't see how you get anything done. And it is, uh, <clears throat> a very adaptive type of situation that took me a while to adapt to. Um, and how we do it is beyond me and I couldn't do it without the people, you know, behind me. We, we tried to do it, uh, just on our own last year and, it's just too much. It was too much for Amanda and Jimmy and I, but, uh, back to what I was going to say, what we're doing in the shop right now, speaking of the battery charger brigade and the lawn chairs, um, my son, Jimmy, Howe is a you know, third generation racer and he's coming up. Um, he's had some success in small tire. He won an MPK race, um, at 16 years old in Epping, New Hampshire. And, uh, now he's transformed into driving, uh, my OG car, the warden, the car we won the world championship with in limited drag radio. Um, but we like to race all the time. So bracket racing, I think makes the best drivers in the country. And when we were in Colorado, we picked him up a four link dragster and uh, a roller. And we're actually out here in the shop, getting it ready so that we can do some wintertime bracket racing when we're not filming. Yeah, it's a uh, nice thing about bracket racing is there. there's always a bracket race going on somewhere. So somewhere in this country, if there's a track open, there's a bracket race going on. That's exactly right. And, you know, like, I mean, we travel all over the place now. I mean, it's like it's never ending. So, you know, what's a few more weeks uh, doing it? And and it'll be a lot of fun because it's going to make him a better driver. And, and uh, you know, our goal is to add a couple more dragsters to uh, – to the shop here so that <clears throat> Amanda, Jimmy, and I, when we're not filming street outlaws can go and, and, uh, you know, go kick it with my bracket racing friends and the people that, uh, you know, that I grew up around and that I've raced with all these years. Um, it's not a, it's not really a spectator sport, but it is a racer sport and it's something that, uh, you know, we really enjoy when we can go do it. So we're going to start making time to go do it. And I'm going to bring my son up, uh, you know, knowing how to do both. I feel like you need to, can't, can't start at the top. I certainly didn't start at the top. Uh, nobody gets to start at the top, but people seem to only remember that. They don't remember a lot of times where they came from. And, uh, I never want, uh, you know, our family to lose track of, you know, of our roots and, and, uh, what got us all started. So we're looking forward to doing some bracket racing, uh, in our off time. <clears throat> AKA you're just turning it into more race time, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just more seat time and I, I don't care. Um, you know, I was telling John Odom, um, 
not too, not too long ago, my, uh, my teammate, you know, I was telling John, he raced his road course. Um, and he, when we were, uh, we went to Boise for the MPK race out there. Uh, we stopped through in Salt Lake city and <clears throat> I got to run the road course and do some road racing for the first time in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, John, uh, John is an incredible road race driver. Um, and then, you know, come to find out he's actually an instructor too. So it was really cool, you know, to see a different side of it. And I was telling him, I said, like, I don't care if you're in a drag car or a bracket car or a road race car, it's still going to keep you right. It's still going to keep your mind right. It is all conditioning. Um, it is all reaction. And uh, I think it makes us better drivers. So, you know, being able to drag race um, more, be it bracket racing or heads up racing or whatever, I, I can't help but believe that it doesn't make everybody a better driver. And so that's, that's kind of what we're after. Oh, absolutely. Now, let's talk about this year so far, because the last time I saw you was at National Trail Raceway, the MPK race, and you, uh, you brought out the <clears> new <throat> car and, you know, didn't get a chance to shoot the feature that weekend. Andrew Wolf shot it at uh, Bowling Green just for the simple fact that, again, brand new car. And it's uh it's an interesting ball game when you when you roll that car out, any car for the first time, especially a high level heads up car. What's the journey been like with with the Guardian so far? Man, <clears throat> so I uh, I'm probably my own worst critic. We have a we have a ton of fans who love us and who follow us, and they've been with us through thick and thin. I've you know I've got people who have been with me um for nearly 20 years as fans who have followed us and then when we stepped over into the mpk stuff <clears throat> kind of like i was saying a few minutes ago they don't always remember everything in the story like the general fan only remembers sometimes what they seen one time or what they heard one time so bringing the guardian out um was a real challenge because we didn't get the test and it was such like last year we got like we got pummeled last year in my first year in MPK. I had a car that was, you know, 450 pounds too heavy for the class. It was a true back half car. Um, it wasn't made to run a 36 tire on or even a 34 five tire on. So we we were on less tire and had an extra 450 pounds of weight and we're in a back half car. Um, you know, I finished in the top half of the field still in points, um, but we had a a brutal year. Um, you know, I was tearing stuff up left and right. And that's just because I was too damn hard headed to not run the car at whatever cost. And so, yep, it's heavy, but I think we can win and, and we might have to burn it up to do it, but here's here we go. So sadly that point, <clears throat> that painted a, a poor picture of my operation. Um, they just seen that we'd go to the races and the car be broke. You know, we'd tear it up, we'd blow it up, or we'd blow the blower off of it. <clears throat> you know, we'd blow the crankshaft out of the bottom of it. Um, what they weren't seeing was is that through that, we learned how to make some more power and make these things run a little faster. Um, and I was building this new car um, last year, and from the middle of the year on, we had started this started this deal building the new car, the Guardian. Um, so all of that time and effort and all those perils and, and things that we went through last year, they all came to a head in the new car, but we didn't have a chance to test it, which is something that I did, absolutely did not want to do, you know, come out untested. So we showed up in Columbus with a brand new car that had not even been fired. Like we had not even started it in the shop until 3 a.m. Friday morning at the racetrack in Columbus. Um, so we fired it up and, you know, here we are, we got to race our way in now. And, you know, fortunately we got, uh, we got lucky enough to hit the setup close to being right. And, uh, I was able to drive it and keep it off the wall and, um, you know, make, make our, make our statement and, and do that and race our way in and, and did pretty well that weekend for a car that had never even been down the racetrack and I'd never even been in it. Um, but you know, the journey has been uh, something that I, I don't know that words can ever describe. Um, 
I think it was necessary for us to get where we're at. <clears throat> it just didn't happen. Like anything else in our lives, it just didn't happen in a time maybe that I wanted it to. And so, um, but I look back now and all of those things, all of those trials, um, all of the naysayers, the naysayers on social media are my favorite. Um, they're the ones that keep me driving to do better. And, uh, you know, I tell you, I'm my own worst critic. And there's a lot of guys on the internet who, who speak the truth. You know, they're saying the same thing about me that I say about me. Um, so that just reinforces my own critique of myself. And, uh, we go out and, and work a little harder. So, um, you know, the journey to where we're at now, we didn't have a chance to test at all. And then finally we had a couple week break in July and I was able to get the car tested. Uh, now mind you, we came from the bottom of the points list up to at that time we were like 20th. And <clears throat> literally I was going from race to race. Like it was week after week after week, there was no time to test. And so I finally got a chance to make some test hits on the car and uh, we got the thing to where it run pretty good. And then we started this second leg of the season that we just came off of. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had a fast hot rod, um, but we made a lot of dumb mistakes as a team. Um, little things like the dumbest of dumb. <clears throat> um, you know, I had a brand new MSD points box fail, uh, 60 foot out, the car shut off on a run that, you know, we should have never lost. We've had plug wires that weren't put on correctly. Um, you know, we've just, we just kept stubbing our toe. And like at the end of the weekend, I tell the guys like, guys, look, we're not getting outrun. We're beating ourselves before we even have a chance. Uh, I had a CO2 regulator go bad, um, on the, uh, Liberty deal. And, you know, we, I had to foot brake the car and I had to hand select the gear on the top of the transmission and there was no way to shift it. Cause we didn't have the, the CO2 regulator had took a crap. Um, so there was literally no CO2 on the transmission. So I had to foot brake it, but grab the trans brake button that wouldn't work. Cause the trans brakes works off CO2 also, but it will start the timing retards. And I had to pick a gear on the Liberty that I thought I could leave the starting line with and maybe get out on the guy and just feather the throttle. Um, everything worked to plan. Uh, until it ran out of gear ratio. Uh, and we ran Mike Murillo on that run. And, um, you know, I was dead late because we left off a foot brake and they really didn't know what to think about how it would even react. But we found out that, you know, I can leave in third gear off a foot brake in the car electric 60 foot pretty hard. <laughs> um, but uh, then there was no way to shift fourth and fifth. I mean, I can't reach over underneath the electronics and grab a lever. So, uh, you know, we just, we took a shot at it and, and it, and it cost me. I, I lost that round. Um, and it's just, it's always been those little things. So, you know, then we go into, um, we go into Tulsa and, you know, when we get to Tulsa, um, one of the greatest influences that I had in production, uh, with street outlaws and discovery was, uh, our producer, Mike Hellman and, and, uh, Mike died at that event. Um, you know, he was the first person I talked to that Thursday morning. It was the last phone call I made that Thursday night. And he was gone from our lives. Um, like it was a absolute horrible tragedy for all of us. Um, you know, he, he went to the motel and, and that was it. Never seen him again. Um, so like that weekend there, I didn't even feel like being there, but, um, you know, we made the best out of it. And then, uh, I decided to, to stay around and rent the track and, and uh, we got to test again. And by this time now I'm starting, I'm starting to get the car figured out and uh, now we're going fast. And so as it all worked out, um, we went to Boise and uh, from Tulsa, we went to Boise, uh, Boise. I had some handling issues and the handling issues were, uh, again, us stubbing our toe. We're not getting the car lined up in the right spot on the racetrack. Um, and uh, we finally have all those things figured out. And we get to Denver. And I've got, I mean, I've got the hot rods. I mean, it's the car to beat. Um, we go up there in the semifinals and we have a plug wire come off the car. And 
it's on seven cylinders from the time it leaves until the time it goes to the finish line. So uh, we got beat. And um, yet again, we had to have that talk about you know, the mistakes and, and not overlooking the details. So from there, we go to Norwalk and uh, we get to Norwalk and just everything finally came together this past weekend. We didn't make mistakes. We lined the car up where it was supposed to. Uh, we didn't miss anything on the plug wires or any little stuff, you know, and, um, you know, we were able to, to pick up a win in Norwalk uh, and win in an MPK race after everything we'd been through. And especially there were some other things that, uh, that made it very, very special. And the fact that, you know, in January, I lost my daughter, uh, January 12th. Um, the car is a tribute to my daughter, Sienna Howe, and that's why it's named the Guardian. Um, Saturday night, the finals rolled around just after midnight and it was officially daughter's day. Um, and then we won, you know, we won that round. I beat Kai Kelly in the final. Um, and it was the most surreal moment ever. Uh, like, you know, we did it like, this is what we've been trying to do for two years. Uh, we've worked our butts off. We've spent money we didn't have. Um, and that's the thing, like a lot of folks think that, uh, uh, I guess it's easier for them to accept the fact, maybe they assume that we're wealthy. Um, they assume that, uh, you know, we can do whatever we want to do and however we want to do it. What they don't understand is that, you know, we don't, uh, we don't live lavish lifestyles. Um, the majority of everything we do is, and this is as a family collectively, everything we do is for this race team. <clears throat> Uh, and you know, whenever, uh, John Odom and I partnered up, everybody was like, oh yeah, it must be nice. You got a multimillionaire fun, you know, taking care of everything. And, and, uh, John and I laugh about that to this day, um, because I, I wish it was like that, but it, you know, John and I made a deal and this is how it is. And this is what we do. Um, and you know, I own my stuff. He owns his stuff and. We go out here and, and uh, we team up together and to make it all come about. And um, it's just easier for a lot of people, I guess, to think that uh, it's something it's not um, because they don't want to give the credit where credit's due. Maybe I, I, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, it was a surreal moment. We've, we've been very successful this year as a team. John has had four final rounds. He's currently number eight in points. I missed four races. We're currently number 13 in points. Um, I have the highest win-loss ratio in NPK other than Ryan Martin, and Ryan is ahead of me by uh, a fraction as far as round wins for uh, round losses. Um, so, like, the numbers aren't lying. Like, we're, we're doing our job, and we're starting to make that stride. And I feel like we've got the two fastest cars in, in No Prep Kings. We just have to continue to not make mistakes. And, and I've said it before, uh, what separates us from the rest is that their program, they're not making mistakes in. And, uh, you know, that's that's really the difference in, in where we have to improve the most. We've got plenty of horsepower. We've got good race cars. We've got good crew. We just got to stop making mistakes. And uh, finally, Saturday, we had a day where we stopped making mistakes. So hopefully we can continue that. And I think that, you know, I think that emphasizes really that the the level of competition at No Prep Kings, you know, you see a lot of people, I always kind of giggle at, you said, the internet experts and the people that think they know, <laughs> you know, so some of the things I see sometimes, I want to say something, I'm like, you know what, it's like, it's like, it's going to be like arguing with a toddler. Let's just, you know, right. I'm not going to do it. But it's interesting that people don't understand how how competitive that the series really, really is. Because when it absolutely comes down to it, I'm going to use the dirty word, it's pro mod racing on a subpar surface is what it comes down to to what it is. And anybody that knows anything knows about pro mod racing, that that is a uh, – a very difficult task to attack to say the least. Yep. Uh, you're not wrong. Our cars are a little heavier than a pro mod car. Um, some of our cars are, you know, shorter in wheelbase and that also yeah. adds to the level of the difficulty. Uh, you know, a pro, 
a pro mod car it's funny how i'm glad you bring that up because it's funny how that word has evolved see when when you and i were when you and i were first uh maybe on the scene in the pro mod world as far as what you've seen a pro mod car 10 years ago was a tube chassis car with a fiberglass body on it and big motor you know, unlimited tire, wheelie bars, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. Well, the Pro Mod chassis was no more than a tube chassis car. Um, some had double frame rails, but back in the beginning, a Pro Mod car was just an all tube chassis car with a, you know, a big motor in it. And so it's funny how the word has evolved because now it's, it's almost like they're segments. It's like, oh, that's a Pro Mod car. No, it's not a Pro Mod car. It's a drag radio car. Uh, well, it's a pro mod chassis. No, it's not. It's a radio chassis. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're round tube chassis. And now what it seems like is, is that now it has to be a certain wheelbase and it has to have a certain body on it. And then it's a pro mod car. So, um, somehow along the line that, uh, those things got added in and, um, you know, now if it's, uh, if it's not that, then it's, you know, it's, it's something else, but they're really all the same. Um, and I haven't quite got my mind wrapped around that, but it all goes back to that, um, you know, the the Monday morning quarterbacks and the people on the internet who, you know, truly don't know. And it, and it you're right, it's like arguing with a toddler, but I have a six-year-old here at home. Um, so I, I guess that's why I like, maybe that's why I interject a lot and I get involved with them is because it's much like talking to my six-year-old. And uh, I hope that... Um, you know, through it, we find, we find that we have educated some, you know, throughout. And I think that that's important. It just sucks that sometimes you have to be in an argument in order to educate them. Um, here lately, the biggest farce that's going around on all the social media is, uh, and it is kind of a funny deal right now. It's um, the only reason that I won was because Ryan Martin um, took a dive. He, uh, he took a dive because, uh, the TV show doesn't want Ryan to win. And so Ryan's taking dives and that's the biggest farce it's ever been. And, uh, you know, or, or it's, you know, the only reason he won is because Ryan wasn't there. Kayla Morton said it best the other day. She was like, well, how do you think Ryan Martin lost somebody beating? Like, that's how that happened. That's why he wasn't there is because somebody beating. Um, and it's, uh, it's really kind of crazy because the same ones, that will say that Ryan's taking a dive for discovery are the same ones who will get on there and say that the show rigs it so that Ryan Martin wins. And like, it's, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Now there's some that have seen my interjections about the rules in NPK and the pro chargers. And then somehow or another, my video that I posted on YouTube uh, went from us talking about, this injustice in the rules to, I said that Ryan Martin was cheating and I never said Ryan Martin was cheating. I actually said quite the opposite. He's not cheating. And if I were him, I'd be doing the same thing. Uh, it's just that there was a gray area and a loophole in the rules and it's, uh, you know, it's been exposed. And so now, you know, that's the thing. Now everybody thinks that, uh, uh, discovery has added weight to Ryan Martin himself. It's the red, it's the fireball or the gray Camaro rule, the Ryan Martin rule, and he's got to carry extra weight. And it's just some of the most outlandish statements that I've ever heard that they throw out there. Um, and it's like the red light deal. So many of them don't understand how you red light on an instant green. Um, they don't understand that uh, there's no red light button in the tower that can be pushed. We owned a drag strip for 25 years. I know timing equipment inside and out. There's no such thing as a red light button in any tower in the country, except the red light button that turns both flashing reds on at the bottom of the tree when there's an emergency. Um, and it's just, it's sad, but I think it's up to us to try to, to try to educate some of these people as hard as it is. Um, I feel like we'll have a better fan base if racers continue to educate uh, the ones who, you know, heard it, read it, their cousins, brothers, neighbors got a 76 day that does wheelies over Coke cans. And he told them that's how it is. Um, that's the, that's the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that we, I think as racers need to do, and it doesn't matter. Um, 
what form of racing it is, we all need to stick together and help educate our fan base because the one thing that Street Outlaws has done is it has put a much bigger set of eyes on the drag racing world in general. And, uh, and we are blessed for that because we needed that arm shot. Um, what, you know, what street outlaws and what Pilgrim media has done, uh, for the sport of drag racing, as much as the purists may not like what we do. And as much as the purists may not understand what we do at the end of the day, you can walk down your street and talk to probably every other household and they will know something about drag racing. It might be about big chief. It might be about Ryan Martin and they may not know who John force is, but they're now tuning in to watch a sport that we all love and they're, they're passionate about it. It's just up to us to educate them. No, I totally agree. And and the thing that cracks me, the the thing that cracks me up or again, the the ones, I guess that I, I tend to, look at the posts and I'm just, I shake my head or the ones that say the show is rigged that like that just, I I get it that it's a show and you need to uh, build drama and whatnot. Yeah. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, but it's like, I don't think people truly understand how much you guys want to win and that it's not about, Oh, you know, taking a dive for the show or, you know, it's whatever. As soon as those cars do burnouts, it's about like, it's as real as it gets. There might be some stuff that's kind of drawn up and drama up before that. But the second that the belts are pulled tight and it's time to go racing, you know, that that's where the, the, the pin is pulled on the grenade and the action happens. There's no control. It's whatever happens, happens. Yep. A lot of truth to that. And I mean, like it, it just, it's hard to get it to, it's hard to get it through to them, you know, and, and what's really bad is, is that it puts a really big black cloud, um, over the winners who have earned that right. You know, I, I, Kayla Morton, Kayla won a few weeks ago. She beat, uh, our other car in the final, uh, she beat John Odom in the final and, and won her first MPK race. And on the internet, there was literally people talking about how that the show rigged it so that we'd have another woman who was up in the top. We had another winner. Um, they rigged it so that nobody else would win. And, and all that did was discredit her and her family's accomplishment. And it, you know, it really, it really aggravates um, me. It, it, it aggravates this team to no avail that they have that thought. So it's kind of up to us to educate them and let them know that, yes, it is a TV show first and foremost, and a drag race takes place at it. And that's true. But the racing is real. Um, the, uh, the passion is real. You put that many, you know, drag racers for the most part are, are going to be alpha personalities to a certain extent. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a group of type a personalities that, yes. that hate and, money and love work. Yep. And, and it's the truth. And so like, all you do is, is totally discredit somebody else's effort by saying something like that. And it's like, man, I, I just don't get it from a, from a competitor standpoint. It's a hard pill for me to swallow. Um, but then, you know, uh, back to Ryan, uh, Ryan Martin and I were eating dinner Sunday and, and, uh, we were talking about it and he said, you know, several years ago, um, you know, when he was the new kid on the block that, you know, he, he had haters to the people that just, you know, talk so bad about him and made stuff up. And now, you know, he can do no wrong in all of them's eyes. Um, and he earned that right. You know what I'm saying? But he, but he said that, oh, you know, it took several years before those people realized that, you know, he was as legit as he, you know, as he was, he was, as, he was the contender and the competitor that they all didn't think he was in the beginning, but now he is. And uh, he said, you know, the same thing that drives me also helped motivate him back then. And that was, you know, the haters and and the naysayers. And so like uh, I get it. And and it's just a bad deal. You take a guy like uh, Jerry and Daryl bird, two people that I hold in very high regards. I, if you ever are having a bad day, 
just go hang out with the birds for a few minutes. I promise you, you're going to laugh your ass off and you're going to leave there with a smile on your face because they are so funny to be around and they're not negative Nancy's. They're very upbeat. They're very positive. Yes. They fight and argue They're brothers and they fight and argue amongst each other over that car. Um, and, but they're a lot of fun to be around and they had been in, what was it? 20 final rounds. Yeah. Total 20 final rounds and had never won an MPK race. Um, you know, I watched those guys crash and rebuild and crash and rebuild and work and work and work. And like, if, if ever, if ever, there was a storyline to be rigged. Why wouldn't they have just made Jerry and Daryl the hero? Everybody loves the underdog coming from behind after all that. Like their, their 20 runner-ups or 19 runner-ups is an absolute testament to the fact that it's not rigged. You know what I'm saying? Like they work their butts off just like all of us do. Uh, and they work harder than a lot of us do. That's a fact, you know, and, and they do it. They do it with a blue collar budget. They, they own a business, they work their butts off. They do what they can when they're not racing. And, um, they are the same type of people that we are. And like, I get it. I understand what they went through. Um, and so like to discredit that just really, 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 really aggravates me to no end. Um, and everybody thinks that, uh, you know, we're just all these multimillionaires that do this stuff. Yes, there are some millionaires in this group. Uh, all of us have a, you know, have to have a whole lot of money uh, or a whole lot of debt, one of the two. And um, the best way I know to uh, to sum it up is, is you know, what's always been said, you want to know how to make a million dollars in drag racing, and I start with two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, it, it's, uh, it's just one of those deals. And, and so that internet... Um, that internet feedback that so many of these guys get from uneducated fans is something that I hope collectively as a group that we can do better. And the latest one that I've seen was something that just blows my mind. Um, you know, and I'm not going to name the ratio that was named here because I don't feel like he deserved the comment, but you know, it was, why is so-and-so even try? He doesn't even need to show up and race. You know, he's, uh, number 20 or 23 or 25 or whatever in the points, he just needs to stay home. Well, I mean, like just imagine if every one of us had that thought. Yeah. That's that's that, you know, you don't race it on paper, you know, it's, right. I went through a, a great example that myself was at the NMCA finals. You know, I'm still trying to f- figure my own car out and little uh, pro tip. Don't assume, you know, the rules, Always, always read the rules because the rule, the rules that they ran at, for the class I run for Street King at the LS, Holly LS Fest, I ran that, then I came to the NMCA finals. I, I assumed that they ran the same rules. They do not. They do not run the same rules on qualifying. I thought I was qualifying off reaction time. Oh, no, no, my friend. We were qualifying on who got closer to the index. My index was 10-0. I went out, ripped off a 985, felt awesome. Like, this is great. I went up and I looked at the qualifying ladder and I'm like, oh, great. I'm two tenths, almost two tenths under, dead last. And I'm going to have to race (laughs) Kurt Anderson, who is one of the baddest dudes to run this class. So my mission from that point forward, I was like, man, I have got to do everything I can to just get away from Kurt because he's a good racer. And he, you know, he could put a hurting on me. But when it yep. came down to it, I was joking with him, saw him in the staging lanes. I was like, you know, I screwed around. Now I got to race you. I'm like, you know, well, I'm going to race your hardware. We'll see what's up. You know, I might be able to get this together. You know, it, a lot of people, they automatically think that, oh, you don't have a chance. No, when you go out there to line up, I don't care who I'm racing. I'm going to beat them. Don't care. Yep. That that's just that if you don't have that mindset in drag racing, if you're thinking, oh well, you, that person's only qualified twentieth, why are they trying? Just don't because that that's not how the sport works at all. It is a true story. My first ever. This is a and this here's a here's a perfect uh, a perfect example for me. My first ever 
national event win, my first ever Ironman, came, and I was qualified as second alternate. Yeah. And the the good Lord made it so we had a couple guys in the field who broke, and I'm at Bristol, and the IHRA tech guys come over, and, and I was running top dragster at the time, and they came over, and they said, how? Your car ready to go? I said, yeah. It's in the trailer. He said, well, we need you. You're, you're your number two alternate, and uh, we've had three guys fall out of the field. You need to get up here. So here I go. I go straight to the staging lane, you know, and um, I had to run number one or number two qualifier uh, right off the, you know, right off the rip. Um, and we went on and won the national event that day, and I won it from an alternate spot. Now, the night before, had I been like, well, heck, we can't even qualify. We might as well quit and go home. I'd have loaded up, left Bristol, and been sitting back here in Crossville, Tennessee. Um, and uh, the next morning, Tech would have came over there to an empty spot in the pits, and I wouldn't have been there, and I'd never won that national event. Yeah, that's qualif- qualifying order is just a – it's the trophy for who did best during qualifying. It's not who wins the event. Yep. It, it's not set in stone. And it's so like an MPK, we don't have qualifying. We do a chip draw. And, you know, that's a great thing because like the, the two fastest guys could run each other first round. Uh, you know, I, I ran my teammate, John Odom this past weekend in Norwalk second round. We drew, we drew each other. If it was a qualified field, that never would have happened. But that's the other twist in all of what we do here. The, uh, the two fastest guys can run each other at any round, and it doesn't matter how they qualified because oh, there is no qualifying. That's why I love some of the no time and the grudge shootouts because it's all chip yeah. draw stuff. And there has been times where I've seen events that do chip draws where literally there were first round, second round, you know, matchups each time that could have been that should have been final round matchups or could have been a final round matchup, but you saw them, you know, in the first round, second round, third round. It it makes it interesting. Yep, and. And so like, and then you add to that point, just like, just like the no time stuff, no prep Kings is the same way. We don't have scoreboards on. We don't know what the other car ran in my years of running class racing and qualifying on a ladder. I could tell you in 2019, when we won the LDR championship, I could tell you what any car we drew was capable of running. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't matter if I've, if I drew Shane Stack, I knew what Shane Stack could run. I knew what the fastest he'd ever ran was, and I knew the conditions in which he'd ran it in. So you go up there and you set the car up to outrun what you know Shane can run. That's a, that's a different scenario than what we have in no time and no prep kings and all that. The difference is you really don't know what they run. You don't know what they went yesterday. You don't know how fast they've been ever. And you don't know what they did in these conditions. So now you truly have to make a choice. You're either going to make a choice to race your lane and race your car, or you're going to race the other guy. And nine times out of 10, if you're racing the other guy, you're going to mess up. Yeah. And, and that was my biggest enemy and my biggest mix up, my biggest thought that was the wrong process in all of this and now when we go to the racetrack we set up for the lane that we got the time of day it is and how fast i think we can go down that racetrack at that time and i actually treat each one of those rounds like a qualifying round like okay because in qualifying you don't want to go out there and knock the tires off and do something dumb you want to go as fast as you can on that round so that's how i treat eliminations now and I don't care who's in the other lane. I, I'm going to look at the racetrack and I'm going to run this car as fast as I think it can run in that lane on the given time and the given atmosphere. And if it's fast enough to get ahead of the other guy, then amen, we're there. And if it's not, then we go back to the drawing board. We need to go faster in those conditions. See, when I had DJ and Ryan McCain on the show a while back, you know, talked about that. That's one of the big differences with with no time racing is that you can't hold your cards close to the vest. Is that you literally, you're racing the track in that lane and you're trying to go as fast as possible because you literally never know when the person you're lined up against them 
when they're going to uncork one and you don't want to be the person that thought they had an easy layup and they go down and they get, you know, get it swatted away because they thought they could just, you know, Oh, we'll just, we'll make a nice easy hit. That's, that's not what you do in no time racing. Nope. That's it. And that's a fact. And so that in in and of itself, that particular environment, it makes drama all on its own. (laughs) Like you don't have to, it doesn't need to be scripted. That's drama all in itself. Just that part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it makes it a very, it is the most challenging form of drag racing that I've ever done. Uh, and I'm blessed to be able to do it. Um, our fans are something else, the fans. That, and, and so here's the thing. And I, I want to tell people this and you for sure know this because you have been where I'm at. What we see on the internet from some of the fans is definitely not what we have in person at these events. Um, the people that show up for these events, the fans that show up and they sit out in the grandstands all day long in the heat, they're out there all night long. They're some of the most loyal fans that I've ever been around in my life. Uh, and they have their favorites <clears throat> and they root for their favorites. And when their favorites go out, they're over at their trailers talking to them and, and, they're not uh, fair weather fans. They're your fan and that's your fan. Like that's just how it is. Um, and it's a really, it's a really cool deal. Now that's not to say that that fan in the grandstands isn't a fan of 10 other drivers. They might have their favorite eight or 10, but they're diehard fans and they treat us with the utmost respect. Um, they are very, very nice Uh, a lot of fun to come and hang out in the pits with, um, you know, we have a really good time with our fans and, and I truly enjoy it. I, you know, I let kids sit in my car all the time. Um, here lately I've had some adults get in the car, you know, because at the end of the day, not everybody gets to experience what we get to experience. And so I want every one of those fans to have the best experience possible. And, uh, because I want them to come back, you know, and if, and and like, that's the other thing we talk to our fans about it. Like, don't be afraid to go to your local drag strip on Friday night. Like you can go out and have fun. uh, Even when NPK is not in your hometown, you know, go out to the local track and and go meet some of your local drivers and do some of the stuff. And we try to tell them like, you know, we're for the most part, we're all the same. Like, you know, we'll let you come talk to us in the pits and look at the cars and all that stuff. And, uh, if I'm not busy, you know, tuning the car, or have my hands full, uh, I'll, you know, be glad to sit down and, and uh, talk to you and explain stuff and uh, answer questions and all that stuff. And so our fans, to me, are the most incredible thing that I've ever experienced in all of motorsports. Um, and and I don't know how else to say it. Like, it's just, you've been there. You were, obviously, you were in Hebron and, and uh you got to see firsthand what I'm talking about because it's unbelievable what uh, what the No Prep Kings and Street Outlaws fan base is in person really like. Well, I, I've been to several MPK events where both is you know doing media work, and I went to Norwalk pre-COVID just to hang out. You know, I just went right. because because I could go because I liked yep. it because the environment is. You know, I'm very blessed that I get to go to all different kinds of drag racing events and different capacities. And there is nothing like a a no prep Kings event. There's just people can puff their chest and say what they want to say about different events, different forms of drag racing. But MPK events has this, uh, you know, Dr. Jamie and I from PRI, he, his first no prep Kings event was the Hebron event this year, national trail said the same thing. I'm like, this feels like a festival, doesn't it? And he goes, that, yes. He goes, that, that's the word I was looking for. You know, we're there before the gates open, and there's fans already lined up to get in through the VIP. You know, a lot of fans. Like, the cars aren't going to be on the track for almost eight hours. They're there to get in, and they want to see their fans, or they want to see their favorite racer. And they're there all day, hanging out. They're there with their families. I mean, it's... It's. It reminds me a lot of going to an NHRA national event twenty plus years ago. That's that's how it feels. Yep. 
it's it's a it's a same kind of crowd but a different kind of demographic and those people there they are just they are diehard fans it's like going to one of donald's races and the diehard radio fans or you go to the world cup and you have that fan base there i mean they are very very diehard there's just a hell of a lot more of them at a no prep kings race yeah it's uh um it's hard to, for me, being that I've experienced the the different the different types and the different uh, styles of NHRA and IHRA and radio and Orska and all the stuff that I've done in the 35 years that I've been racing, there is nothing that matches the energy <clears throat> to an NPK race. Uh, I mean, nothing. I've never been anywhere that matches that energy, um, and it's. Uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing feel. Now this year I am, uh, we are, uh, locked in and planning on running the import versus domestic, um, deal. That, that's that, what I was about uh, to say. I was like, I thought I saw you on the entry list yeah. for world cup. Yeah, we are. We are going to run quarter mile at world cup. And it's been one of those that's been on my bucket list. Like I've wanted to go to the Miller's racetrack and check those guys out and, and see what that event's all about. And I'm told that it's just absolutely a crazy deal. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I don't, I'm, we're just going to go and we'll get in where we fit in. We're, you know, go have some fun, um, you know, meet some people, hang out with some different racers and, and, uh, you know, do something that, um, you know, is a little different for us. And, and, you know, again, just, just, you know, very blessed to be able to do it. Um, and looking forward to it, you know, I mean, it, it, that's one of those races there that, like we're going to show up to do our best, but it's not our style. Like I don't, I don't rest. I don't race on prepped racetracks anymore. Um, I've not, uh, I've not run quarter mile in a few years. We have been doing some testing with the guardian and, and, uh, you know, stretching his legs a little bit. So, um, you know, we're just going to see how that plays out, but I'm, I'm really, really excited about going over there because yet again, it's a little different deal. Um, and like something that a lot of folks who follow my channel and follow my social media stuff will attest to, I am passionate about the car industry. Motorsports in general, I am passionate about. That goes for the import guys, the truck pull guys, uh, anybody that spends their time, money, and effort working on an automobile project, be it paint, speakers, you know, whatever the racer crowd, if you will, that so many people, um, you know, talk about, uh, as far as that goes, I appreciate those cars. I appreciate those people because of the time and effort that they put into their stuff, the same as we do ours. And over the years, I developed a love for watching the rotary cars run. Oh, um, you're going to be in heaven. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm, that's why the world cup was so, you know, cool to me is that like, man, I get to go over there and watch these guys. Uh, some of them may not know it, but I've, you know, I've followed these guys online and, and, uh, checked their stuff out for a long time. I'm just, I've been a silent, you know, a silent fan, if you would. Um, but, uh, you know, I always enjoy it when we go down to Florida to do any testing, like if we go to West Palm or anything like that, there's always a few of those cars, you know, floating around down there running. And I, and if they're there at the racetrack, I'm going to be up there watching them because I just think they're cool. Uh, and so. Like it's just a car thing. It's it's the passion that the guy with his 280Z um, that's put you know every bolt-on known to man on it. He is just as important to me as the top fuel driver, um, or the pro mod driver, or the top sportsman driver, or the car stereo kid down the road that's got you know ten thousand dollars worth of audio stuff in his in his pickup truck or whatever. It's just it's a culture that. Um, I respect as a whole. And so like, I guess that's, uh, that's one of the really cool things about what we're doing now, because we get a, we get a much more diverse crowd of people at these events and, uh, you know, they'll come over and it's one of the first things they'll say. And, and I encourage my fellow racer to, you know, reach his hand out and help these guys. But, you know, one of the first things I'll say is, well, you know, I got a car at home, but it's just a, or it ain't much. It's just a, it's just a, this, it's just a, that, um, 
And, and that's the first thing I'll tell them is, man, there's no such thing as a, just a Mustang with a cam and headers in it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's your pride and joy. It's what you do. And like, none of us start where I'm at. Like, you know what I'm saying? You don't start it. You don't start where I'm at. We all, for the most part, all of us started with that Mustang with bolt-ons or, you know, that Camaro with bolt-ons and, and, you know, we, we spent a bunch of stupid money buying stupid parts because we didn't know any better. And that's one of the things I like about your build and what you've done is that you, you know, people can go out and research what you've done with your stuff and, and get a, a formula for some success. And, uh, that's a really, that's a really good thing, I think. And it's something that we as a community, as a whole should do more of. And that's, you know, to encourage that young kid at the local parts store, who's, you know, up there buying some split fire plugs because he's seen a commercial somewhere that said that was what he needed to have. Uh, sorry, split fire, but not sorry. Um, well, it, it, it's funny. I tell people there, there's no secrets with any of my builds. Like the only, I use air quote custom part on either one of my builds is a set of Weisco pistons that Sam tech had kind of massaged to work with the dart heads and if anybody ever needed the part number so they could have those pistons, they can send me an email and, you know, here you go. You know, if you're using a set of Dart Pro 1 LS heads, these are the pistons you need. Whatever else you want to put on, go ahead. But this, you know, it's it's all about doing stuff that other people can mimic and enjoy and just go race. You know, it doesn't matter. You could copy this build almost, you know, with a bunch of, you know, OEM parts if you really wanted to. It's not that hard. Just go out and race yeah. and have fun. That's that's the one thing I really enjoy about it. And that's what, like, you know, I, I just can't stress enough that as a community, racers, car enthusiasts, we have to look out for the other people. Uh, you know, the the I, it's discouraging, and it's been discouraging in my life that we go out and spend money on stuff that we think is going to work only to find out that it was a waste of money. And, uh, you know, fortunately over the years, I've had some really good help. Um, you know, I can, I can pick up the phone and call Phil Schuler and say, Hey, Phil, look, what do you think about this set of heads? Hey, Phil, what about this hat? The same thing with, uh, you know, with Salemi, I can, I can call John and say, you know, a, a few years ago I was, you know, digging around trying to get the LDR program to go a little faster. And I called John about a couple of things and, you know, I hadn't spent any money with John. I wasn't a customer of his. Um, and I called him up and I just said, Hey, look, man, I know you spent a lot of time on the dyno. Uh, I don't want to waste money. I want to do this one time and do it right. Uh, what do you think? And and he was like, well, this is what we've seen. This is what we did. This is what we didn't see. And, you know, when I get in those situations, I'll be the first one to pick the phone up and call somebody that I can trust. That doesn't mean pick the phone up and call anybody. Cause some of these jokers will steer you down the wrong road. But uh, fortunately, the people who have been there to help me have, you know, have always been truthful and they wanted what was best for our team. And that uh, that stuff has helped me out a bunch. Um, without them, I'd, I'd still be, you know, stuck where I was at before. Well, Jim, our time here is coming to a close and I like to have fun with my guests and, and throw an interesting question their way. And you, you mentioned that you, you had a certain affinity for imports. So let's say that the rules shifted in MPK and, you know, import-style drivetrains and vehicles were suddenly rewarded with uh, some favorable rules and you just happen to have an extra pile of cash burning a hole in your pocket. What import would you bring to race at an MPK event? What, what would be your build? So that's a that's it's actually something that uh... – we're working on. Oh. Um, so as you know, my partner, John has a GTR and, uh, yes, it's a real GTR for those that don't believe it's a real GTR. Um, uh, we cut that car up. He sent me a, he sent me a real GTR and we destroyed it to make that race car. Uh, but, um, I didn't know anything about a GTR until I got involved building John's GTR. Now I have not only built his GTR and, and take care of his GTR and tune his GTR and do all the work on his GTR. But as I said, we got to go to Salt Lake city and, and, uh, we did some road course racing 
and Amanda and I actually drove some GTRs. Uh, I can say that my favorite import car right now would be a GTR. And if I were going to have to race one, that's what I would race. Um, they're just a cool, very, very cool car. Uh, a lot of fun to drive. Um, and we are, uh, we're currently working on a no prep Kings combination. That is a real GTR driveline. Ooh, that'll be interesting because I know what those are capable of. And when you go to the world cup, you're going to get to see some of the fastest ones in the world. So you're going to be in hog heaven watching some of those things, make some rips. Yeah. And so like, you know, I'm not a turbo guy. Amanda's got a turbo car. Um, it's a love hate relationship. She loves it. I hate it. Um, but, uh, if I can figure out how to make a screwball work on a GTR motor, then, uh, life will be a lot better. At World Cup, if Giddy's there with trying to set the record again, seeing that car in person, like I've seen, you know, you see it set records on 1320 video, but seeing that car make a rip in person with that real life GTR driveline, that car is just, it's nasty. It is flat and nasty to see that thing make a six second pass. There's nothing like, I mean, I just like I said it's, it's definitely, um, it has definitely become my favorite. And now we've had a chance to, you know, work on them, own them, drive them. Uh, I've got to, I've got to drive them from a stock one to a modded one, uh, to a 2,500 horse one. Um, they're just a lot of fun. And, uh, I would have to say that if I were going to do another, if I were going to do a car that had to be import based, it would probably be the GTR. Um, and it's just because I've become familiar with it and I've developed a love for the car. Um, other than that, it, you know, we are constantly looking, uh, we're always looking for a body style or something that's a little different. And, um, you know, that the newer, uh, that Nissan 300, I'm kind of a fan of that thing too. It's a, it's a cool hot rod. Uh, but, um, I think as far as a drag platform went, the, the, uh, GTR would be my, be my pick. Excellent pick. Well, Jim, I'll open the floor up to you now like I do with all my guests and give the opportunity where you can be the old John Force and thank you, need to thank, tell people where they can uh, find more info at. So the floor is yours, my friend. Tell people what you got going on and where they can learn more about your program. All right. So you can look us up on uh, social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under How H-O-W-E, Motorsports. All one word. Um, that's where you can find our social media pages. Also, Odom, O-D-O-M Racing, Odom Racing, and uh, How Motorsports. Um, you know, the thank list is miles long. Without uh, the help of David Monday, uh, getting these cars done in a time that I needed them done in, I don't know of any other chassis shop that could have got us these cars done in the time that he did and dropped everything he was doing to see to it that we could. So a big thanks goes out to David Monday. Glass Tech for all the carbon on my car. Brad Anderson Enterprises for the help in the motor program. Howard Moon uh, for his continued support. Um, Howard is the godfather of blown alcohol, and uh, I've got him on speed dial anytime that I need him. He's a grumpy old guy, but uh, I love him to death, and and uh, he's taught me a lot over the years. So, you know, these guys are all big parts. Phil Schuler uh, always there to help us. Um, you know, there is so many hall tech, um, this hall tech deal that I'm doing now with the cars has been the most cool deal I've ever used. Hall tech stuff is super, super cool. Um, it is endless what you can do with it. And uh, every week I'm learning more and more about it. And we're tuning every week a little bit different than we were the week before. Uh, all this stuff it's, it takes a village really. And there's so many people behind me. Um, all these manufacturers that uh, are part of this program is what makes it happen. Liberty transmissions. Uh, Craig Liberty is a absolute huge deal in our camp. Strange engineering, Hoosier tire, Ronnie Maggart. You guys uh, are awesome. You've uh, done a lot for me over the years and I really appreciate it. Um, every one of these companies had faith in me when uh, at times I was beginning to doubt it myself. So, um, you know, I, I can't thank them enough for everything they've done. Turn to communications, our racing radio guy. 
and I hate to say racing radio, but everybody knows that I'm talking about our walkie-talkies because it's not a racing radio. Turn to communications. Brian Lynch um, keeps me in touch with my wife and my crew when I'm in the car. Um, these guys are a big a big help to us more so than than uh, many know. Callie's Crankshaft, MGP Rods, all you guys make this big thing go round and round. And, uh, you know, John Odom, our friendship turned into a partnership, and uh, here we are. I was just talking about it last night. You know, when you first came on the scene, everybody was making fun of you. I told you what we'd do. You're currently number eight in points with four final rounds under your belt. Um, very proud of what we've done and uh, look forward to doing more of it. My wife, my son, Jimmy, my mom and dad at home, uh, my staff, the guys that run my bill bonding company, uh, that allow me to get out and play around. Tony McKinney, complete automotive up in Ohio. Tony is a big part, also very good friends, will help me. All I got to do is call him. Um, all these guys make this thing possible, and I really appreciate all of you. Garrett Barker at Garrett's Garage in Dunlap, Tennessee, for dropping what he'll do and putting paint on these hot rods at any time that I need it done. Um, it's a, uh, it, like I said, it's a whole bunch of people who make all this possible. And like I said before, the media people, you guys, you guys mean a lot. Um, if you're a sanctioning body out there, if you're a racer racing inside of a sanctioning body, if you are a media person, here's something to think about. You will only be relevant when you make yourself relevant. Remember what I'm saying, you have to make yourself relevant. Um, John Force could be the winningest driver in all of NHRA, but if it weren't for the media people and it weren't for his self-promotion, nobody would know his name. It's the truth. You guys take care. I appreciate you having me on the show, Brian. Um, look forward to seeing you again, and uh, everybody – We'll see you at the next race, and that's going to be Rockingham, North Carolina, here in just a couple weeks. Awesome. Jim, thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon, man. Thanks, man.